0: All right, welcome everyone to a new episode of the Roscoe's Wetsuit Neuro Podcast. I am your host, Toby Passman. On the show with me today, we have a special guest, Boomer Anderson. Boomer is driven by curiosity and long tail opportunities. Boomer's personal philosophy of challenging the process led to the acquisition of an eclectic number of roles. In no particular order, Boomer is an entrepreneur, practitioner, boyfriend, human guinea pig speaker and investor Boomer is deeply involved in business development and strategy for smarter, not harder Inc. He also serves as the head of health optimization practice Europe, which is part of the home hope association, a nonprofit. As a practitioner Boomer helps other entrepreneurs change the world by optimizing their health. Decoding superhuman Boomer's podcast is a muse gone wild. Currently the podcast has 180 plus episodes covering various domains of health optimization. In his free time, you'll probably find Boomer deep in the weeds of his latest esoteric interest, exercising outside or cooking. Boomer, welcome to the show.
1: Hey, Toby, I, I got to say, your podcast has one of the better titles that I've ever seen. So thank you for having me.
0: I appreciate that, man. Yeah, as we were saying before we we started airing, you know, you're one of the only people who actually got the reference. So props <laughs> to that. <laughs> um, uh, tell funny. me, tell, uh, like, how, how did you, what was your first kind of entry into the biohacking community? Was it through Dave Asprey, as a lot of people kind of stumbled across his work? Or how did you, how did you sort of get into it?
1: Yeah, so I've been obsessed with performance my entire life. And this goes way back to, frankly, even high school when I had ridiculous ambitions as a 12, I mean, even as a 12 year old, so even before high school. Um, And I was fortunate enough to grow up the son of both an operations person and a mutual fund, but also uh, my mother was a yoga teacher. And so from a very young age, I had this exposure to what at that time was woo. Uh, So things like meditation, yoga, and sort of that mind-body connection. And so early on, before it was even called biohacking, I was doing things to optimize my brain, Uh, like things such as just breathing techniques to bring my heart rate down before a ridiculous calculus exam. Uh, exercise to well i didn 't know what the hell BDNF was back then, but you know exercise just to increase my focus uh, using uh, caffeine for instance, as a way to increase alertness and so eventually I get into investment banking and I get this sort of idea that i th- I could calculate a return on health, and so whatever money I was spending on health could directly correlate to where my Bonus would be at the end of the year and I initially got into uh, Quantified self because at that time I was dealing with uh, And still now dealing with large swaths of data and just looking at correlations uh, Helped companies and governments raise money and so spreadsheets were no stranger to me and so I Love quantified self and what these people were doing in these. It's actually still a really uh, it looks like a website from the nineteen eighties, but like, it's uh, it's just sort of this great forum where people run the experiments. And you know, at that time, I just cared about how to sleep less, work more, and look good naked. Um, and in reality, that was probably the wrong equation. Along that sort of time stream, if you will, comes Dave Asprey getting on Joe Rogan, and you know, I did get into the butter coffee thing for a while. Uh, but I would say that I always had this angle of getting into more the health optimization, performance optimization side of things. It eventually got called biohacking. And I got more interested into it from a data perspective, just because I felt more comfortable with numbers. Um, and that's been such a journey, uh, which we can certainly get into today if you want.
0: Right, right. And so let's see. So as far as you know what were some of like the early things you know maybe before everyone was talking about you know biohacking I mean it's become you know definitely just in the past i don't know what'd you say probably like five years or something it's become you know like very like mainstream like popular you know chic uh but you know you kind of talked about doing kind of all of these sort of biohacks before it was even called biohacking what were what were some of the other things that you would notice uh that that Kind of modified your performance as as you were a student and then going into your professional career
1: yeah so the first thing uh, that actually helped modify the performance the most was actually tracking this right so tracking brings awareness to something that you may not have awareness to um, so i would start tracking just sort of in a journal or in a spreadsheet just sort of how many hours of sleep did i get and then that eventually kind of built out and kind of fractalized, if you will, uh, to a fairly large spreadsheet looking at things like alcohol and alcohol intake because I drank a lot more back then, uh, caffeine intake and sleep and subjective sleep quality, and those were all subjective measures, right? And so that brought awareness to what I was doing. Uh, breathing, we we touched about it, touched a little bit on it earlier in terms of. Um, doing the three deep breaths or pranayama breathing from yoga before going into, uh, higher pressure situations. That was interesting, but then you kind of turbocharged that with something like heart math, which, you know, there's a lot, there's not a lot of controversy around heart math, but there are a few people that I respect that are challenging what they're doing. Um, and you know, at that time, introduce the introduction to HRV, And the measurement of my nervous system was actually game changing in the sense that, uh, you know, you can think about the lifestyle that I was going through. I was transferring time zones uh, all the time. And I, I think I spent in total one time where I was more than three, more than two weeks in the same country. And that's over the course of four years. So you can imagine that if you're traveling time zones all the time, you're in high-pressure situations with a big-ass budget that you have to reach, uh, and then you're not sleeping very much, and you're doing, on top of that, all these ridiculous CrossFit workouts. The wake-up call started when I started paying attention to my HRV and started learning what HRV was, and so HRV being the distance between two heartbeats can actually represent the general health of, I know I'm oversimplifying here, but can represent the general health of the nervous system. And so using those heart math devices to start training HRV in just sort of an elementary way was very, very useful. Um, Altering things like diet, because, you know, I was delusional in my CrossFit ambitions. At one point, I was actually okay at it. But in reality, uh, you know, I wanted to be a cognitive ninja in the sense that I cared very much about how my brain worked. And so playing around with, uh, you know, things like the ketogenic diet, um, almost like as it started becoming more than just a diet for seizures, uh, it was just brought up early on. I think Peter Atiyah and Tim Ferriss may have done stuff on it. I'm like, okay you know, I've been low carb since I was 12 years old, pretty much uh, just because that worked well for me. And I happen to like meat and, you know, the ketogenic diet makes sense. So there are a series of things that I, I thought were very, very interesting early on. And even when, you know, if you think about it, like Tim Ferriss's four hour body came out before Dave Astry became sort of the the brand builder of biohacking that he is and so I got a lot of ideas for Tim got a lot of ideas from anybody and I'm a human guinea pig uh, to steal a phrase that Tim actually used and so I'm willing to try anything a couple of times I just got smarter about it over the years
0: right tell me like you know so we talked about uh, this tracking you know and and kind of the quantified self movement. What were like some of the most interesting uh things that that you noticed really impacted your performance that say like, you know, maybe you couldn't really like tell yourself just, but then you look at the data and it says, you know, it paints a certain picture. Like was there anything that really surprised you?
1: Yeah. Do you want me to go down the wearable technology route or do you want me to go a little bit more into just sort of testing and those kind of things?
0: Oh, whichever, whichever way you'd like.
1: So let's go through testing because i think there's there's an interesting element here that i i think people should be aware of which is um, surface level feeling versus biochemical feeling and so when we kind of look at surface level tracking you can track things like subjective quality of sleep there's uh, you know the pittsburgh sleep quality index is a great one for that Um, you can look at various tests or subjective tests to measure things like anxiety, but that could be somewhat deceiving in certain ways and in the sense that you could be subjectively feeling okay, but what's going on underneath the hood? And so uh, probably the most effective thing that I've done in terms of uh, quantified self is actually getting underneath the hood and starting to look at what the data says And so that initially started for me with genetics. I bought a 23andMe uh, really early on before they became so cheap. Um, And it really didn't say much until I had a doctor who said, hey, you can throw it in this database. And I didn't really know what I was doing, but I just got really interested and started finding out and reading research papers, et cetera. That eventually transferred over from genetics into the metabolome, which is sort of where your cellular... Level health is right now and where it has been in the past couple of months. And I found the metabolome to be absolutely fascinating in the sense that I can now map out something like the Krebs cycle um, and see where the uh, deficiencies are in that Krebs cycle in terms of cofactors, but also what could potentially be blocking it, you know, heavy metals, uh, mercury. And, you know, as a person who spent a lot of time on planes to the point where I still have status on an airline. Uh, after four years of not flying on that airline. It's concerning to see you know things like gasoline exposure come up as sort of uh, toxins. And then you kind of get into the whole world of, okay, if you're exposed to these toxins, but you're also deficient in these vitamins, it's very hard for your body to clear these toxins. And so that really gave me a pinpoint uh, almost a target, if you will, for how to do things like supplementation, because the fact is is that i 'm a consumer of news we 're all consumer of news, and it's very easy to get overwhelmed with the amount of shit out there uh, one day the ketogenic diet is trendy, the next day it's carnivore, and the third day it's vegan and they're all very well they're somewhat different um, at least the first two are can be similar but in order to take that from an N of 7 billion, which I, I think the dogma of the, the diet and nutrition industry needs to somewhat die, but to take it from an N of 7 billion down to an N of 1, the metabolome, all of this data allows me to shape um, my own destiny rather than rely on information for, from people who uh, may or may not be biased in how they're presenting it to you.
0: Right. Right. So again, kind of getting back to the sort of one of the main tenets of, of biohacking, kind of taking control of your own health rather than putting it into the hands of, of someone else.
1: Yeah, exactly. Empowered responsibility. It's what I do with all my clients too. It's like, okay, I'm going to show you what the data says, but I want you to learn along the way, because ultimately the goal is not for you to be my client for life. It's for you to understand this enough so that you can go off and do it on your own.
0: Right. So tell me like let's dial in specifically to the brain, and let's talk about like what what sort of things did you notice uh, that played the biggest role in your cognitive performance was it was it sleep was it you know altering your diet, supplementation, smart drugs like what what sort of things did you find uh, and have you found that make the biggest impact
1: all of the above, um, but uh, we'll get into this specifically. So, when I initially began on this journey, there was a clear, obvious one, right? So, sleep and sleep deprivation. From the age of eighteen to thirty, I slept four to six hours a night, which is not sufficient. I mean, there's there's even tests out there, and I'm sure you know these, where they kind of compared brain waves of people who had sleep deprivation. Uh, And I'm trying to, I can send you the test afterwards in terms of what the paper was, but they compared people with sleep deprivation to somebody drinking beer and essentially two to four hours of, or two hours of sleep deprivation was the equivalent of drinking two 12 ounce beers, but a full night of sleep deprivation, which I've done several times in my life is the equivalent of drinking 10 to 12, 12 ounce beers. Even at my best fraternity moment, I, poss- I don't think I could possibly hold that down, right? And so you're now taking your brain and trashing it. So the first thing that I did that helped out was sleep, but the sleep didn't fix right away because the sleep wasn't necessarily the root cause, co- the bad sleep wasn't necessarily the root cause. The root cause of the bad sleep was actually anxiety, and so dealing with um stress and being a historical perfectionist Uh, suffice to say everybody in the world has experienced anxiety at some point but many of us experience it to a degree higher than others i being one of them and so getting my head around anxiety and how to deal with it was probably the biggest game changer of all i'll get into the smart drugs and the nootropics here in a little bit but uh, when I started dealing with it. It was initially a question of, okay, so I have this above average anxiety issue perfectionism, and how do i I initially asked the question, How do I get under control and now it's no longer really a control thing. It's just how do I witness it's there and let it do its thing and a lot of that started with things like meditation, uh getting into you know certain states through that meditation, getting into um, you know being able to manipulate my nervous system through breath work and really starting to recognize that behavior change. Um, and so I would also layer in things like gratitude practice, right? And so gratitude practice is very simple in the sense that you can write down a person, an opportunity that day. and. Uh, and really just some, an object around you that you're grateful for, and that could change your frame of mind. So when we start looking at um, just sort of optimal performance in terms of brain perspective, dealing with that anxiety certainly uh, has been useful. I've also played around with things like Solanq and Pacamelon as well, and those things can be useful, certainly in one-off situations, Uh, but they, they haven't contributed as much as the behavior change has. So that gets us to, so we've talked about sleep, we've talked about anxiety, and anxiety is probably the Archimedes lever for me in terms of uh, brain performance, because uh, think about anxiety as overwhelm and overwhelm Uh, leading to something like bandwidth poverty, which is essentially you end up making decisions like somebody who doesn't have any money and nobody, especially me, who I run several businesses and involved in others. You don't want to be in a decision or decision making framework that automatically handicaps you. And that's what bandwidth poverty can do. So once you kind of look at anxiety and, and reframe it and start to do the things to set up your nervous system for success. Um, You know, obviously there's diet and I eat a lower carb diet and that just works well for me. There are people in Ireland who can get away with higher carb diets, um, but that just works well for me from brain performance. But then if it's okay with you, Toby, I want to, can we talk a little bit about nootropics? Absolutely. All right. So let me just get a sip of decaf coffee here.
0: I'll join you. Fully so
1: <laughs> you're much earlier in your day than I am. So uh, so we built some foundations, right? Sleep, stress, food. Uh, now let's talk about nootropics because I think there is this uh, misdefinition or sort of a a little bit of a poor definition, if you will, in the biohacking world of what nootropics and smart drugs are. In fact, it should just be called smart drugs based on how uh, biohackers currently define it, right? It, um, the classical definition in nootropics, uh, which I think came in the early 70s, was something around cognitive enhancement without the decline. But the way we now use the term colloquially And biohacking is more like smart drugs, which is just let's optimize the hell out of your brain performance. And so uh, what do I mean by that? So we use nootropics to describe something like, um, by the way, if we get to 7.30 and my lights do turn red, that's not to say that I'm open for business here in Amsterdam, that's just kind of what happens here. Uh, So let's talk about, um, so in biohacking world, uh, we use the same language to describe nootropics as would apply to smart dog- drugs. Something like, I don't know, uh, modafinil is a classic one where you overhaul your brain for a course of one day and some people do experience a crash the next day. Um, so let's break down now nootropics into what I think should be the new definition. And this is actually a framework that my mentor, Dr. Ted Atricoso, uh laid out at this year's Paleo FX event online. And so we have different types of nootropics. Um, you have health optimization nootropics. You have performance optimization nootropics. And then he used the term blue tropics to, uh to talk about the third category. And so health optimization nootropics are supplements or something that contributes to the general health of the brain. The classic one that I think of here is L-tyrosine. Um, L-tyrosine can lead to production, provided that you actually have active elements of B6 and those kind of things, uh, can lead to production of some neurotransmitters, dopamine being one of them. Uh, so health optimization nootropics help build the health of your brain. The second category is something like a performance optimization nootropic. This is what we classically think of as smart drugs. And so these are uh, mechanisms or, sorry, these are um, compounds, which can lead to better performance of the brain, uh, but may not necessarily lead to better overall health of the brain. You can think of something like modafinil, which I've highlighted, which is being used in, uh, so there's these uh, Canadian Air Force pilots who, and you may be familiar with this, uh, who were sleep deprived, I believe it was 24 hours, and then they got into a dogfight, fight, but they're on modafinil. And so they're Uh, the modafinil actually augmented their, yeah, augmented the brain so that it would perform better under sleep deprived scenarios. Uh, Another one could potentially be nicotine. And so nicotine being something that would, uh, I love it for verbal fluidity. um, And I love it for the fact that it can bring you up when you're down. It can bring you down when you're a little too up. Um, And it's certainly a good performance optimization nootropic in those two scenarios. Then the third one, the third category that we've come up with here is something called bluetropics. And the only reason why it's called tropics is because methylene blue is the perfect example of them. Uh, tropics would be a combination of both health optimization nootropics and performance optimization nootropics. Um, if you think about uh, methylene blue, which has this amazing history uh, in terms of being one of the first chemical compounds uh, approved by the FDA. It also was a dye in blue jeans, has been used to um, used in surgeries, it's been used by uh, certain medical professions to really tell if the patient is taking their medication. And as a person who's consumed it, like, you will pee blue if you take a certain amount of methylene blue. And so it's, good for the general health of the brain because it acts as an electron donor in the Krebs cycle Um, but it's also uh, good for performance optimization in the sense that it contributes to uh, so it contributes to mitochondrial health and that's sort of the general health optimization nootropic the performance optimization nootropic is more around uh, improving memory and so we've seen it and i had uh the pleasure of interviewing Dr. Francisco Gonzalez Lima at University of Texas. And I think he's a guy that you would have a lot of fun with, Toby. But um, he's done a lot of research on methylene blue. And you know, one of the things that he's very, very keen on exploring and is exploring is uh, methylene blue for the use of neurodegenerative disease. And so uh, you know that is sort of the quintessential example of blue tropics, usually a blue tropic would come in a stack form, something like Qualia, for instance. Um, or in the case of a company that I'm involved in, uh, blue canatine, which has both performance optimization and health optimization nootropics. In blue canatine, that would be caffeine, uh, hemp crystals, and certain uh, so nicotine and methylene blue. So I know I've gone on a long soliloquy there, Toby, but hopefully that was very useful.
0: It was, it was, and I love the fact that you brought up methylene blue, because that's that's one that I've, you know, personally been interested in just reading about. Um, mm-hmm. And I've read some of the research articles, but haven't actually had anyone on the podcast yet who's mentioned that. So it is a super interesting one that I'm excited to try out. And I want, you know, can you tell me a little about, you know, the idea behind why, why formulate, uh, you know, why was this uh, product kind of put together Uh, So the the hemp crystals, uh, nicotine, caffeine, and methylene blue. I assume that there's some amount of synergy between these different ingredients. Can you tell me a little about that?
1: Yeah, you nailed it on the head. So I think it's worth kind of giving the backstory here. Uh, So there's a nonprofit that I'm involved in called Health Optimization Medicine and Practice. What we do is we seek to teach doctors and practitioners how to optimize for health. Uh, One thing that society globally is good at is treating uh, disease and uh, emergency situations so for instance if you get a gunshot wound you probably shouldn't go see a health optimization practitioner you should probably go to the emergency room Uh, if you have a broken leg go to the emergency room Uh, but if you're a person like me and this was me 10 years ago even uh, looking to just go for more, and you feel good, but you want to know what you're leaving on the table, then health optimization could be for you. Uh, so what do I, why do I bring this up? Because in health optimization, when I'm working with a client, uh, usually it takes about three to six months for things like nutrient balancing and hormone balancing to kick in. In the meantime, that client may be actually experiencing something that they want to deal with right now. You know, nobody likes to be in pain. Nobody likes anxiety, and certainly nobody likes it when their short-term memory starts to fail. And that latter one is really how the um, the compound actually came together. And so, um, health optimization medicine and practice is the nonprofit side of Smarter Not Harder Inc., uh, which you mentioned earlier. The for-profit is actually a company called Troscriptions. And so Troscriptions is really designed to provide health optimization practitioners those bridges, if you will, uh, for those particular allopathics or maybe intelligent allopathy, but certain situations whereby the client needs to experience relief right now. And so the first one that came out was blue canadiene. And that was really an, an... a problem that Ted, the founder, was trying to solve, and something that I've experienced before, too. If you're flying all around the world, there's a certain amount of jet lag that your body can take, but after a while, your memory starts to just really kind of falter. You know, all of a sudden, and, and, you know, Ted is a a guy who has a 210 IQ, no joke, uh, and he is a person who relies a lot on his memory, as do I. If your memory starts to falter and your verbal fluidity starts to falter, how can you perform at your best when you land? And so when he was going through sort of the research, if you will, he started playing around with different things and looking into methylene blue. Uh, Methylene blue, as we talked about, has a lot to do and a lot of benefits for things like memory. Okay, that checks one box. Now we have five milligrams of uh, methylene blue in there, which is certainly not a lot, but then you combine it with one milligram of nicotine for that additional verbal fluidity. And also because nicotine is just one of the most fascinating molecules I've ever come across. And it, uh, you know, as we alluded to earlier, Brings you up when you're down, brings you down when you're up, uh, but can certainly give a, a rush of energy, especially if you take a spray, right? Like the spray can be a headache in a second, but combined in this formulation, uh, it works pretty well. Then we add caffeine for alertness. It's only 50 milligrams of caffeine. And then The hemp crystals, think of that as something like a CBD, actually serve to round off and extend the entire effect. And this is just something that we experienced uh, more than anything. And personally, I've played around with nicotine quite a bit. Uh, Particularly here in Europe, we can get the sprays, which which is really nice. But the first 10 minutes or five minutes of every spray, is like hell on earth, right? You take the spray and it's just bam. you know, Somebody just smacked your brain with a baseball bat. You feel really good afterwards, but it's just those first 10 minutes. Now, when we combine these four ingredients in a buccal trochee, um, and I can get into the buccal trochee here in a little bit, what we found was is there's sort of a synergistic effect that checked all of the boxes that we were looking for. And results in this sort of, I almost call it a locked in feeling whereby, you know, I'm able to think, think very much about one task at a time, but I'm able to also experience sort of what's going on around me and react to it accordingly. Uh, The perfect case example of how I first started using this was in public speaking. Now, why is that useful? Because you obviously want to have your words come out correctly. You also want to have, uh, you know, the ability to remember everything that you're going to say, and it's good to be alert. And so public speaking is a perfect case in point. I do a lot of stuff around strategy and business development. And so connecting dots where uh, they may not be seen is another way that I use it. I look at it as like this ultimate, so pattern recognition is something that is very, very difficult for people to learn. And I happen to be okay at it, but the patterns seem to just flow a lot better. And so we like to call it a limitless feeling uh, for four to six hours, but the combination of the four ingredients in micro, relatively micro amounts, right? But we're not talking about a lot here, uh, allows us to really... Uh, provide that rye a smooth ride without the, you know, inevitable come down that comes with a lot of nootropics out there.
0: Very cool. You know, specifically, uh, a a couple of the ingredients that were mentioned, um, so caffeine and uh, CBD uh, was something, so I I used to work for uh, uh, sort of a CBD uh, manufacturer. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, And one of the really interesting products that they came out with was this kind of workout stack. Uh, It was these like, uh, these pills that were CBD and caffeine. And -hmm. I noticed just like this synergy where it was like, it was a lot of caffeine. I think it was like 200 milligrams or something, which usually, I mean, would definitely get my heart palpitating and, you know, have Mm -hmm. that kind of classic caffeine, you know, jitteriness. But with the CBD, it was like this the the smoothest, cleanest energy. So, just I guess those two ingredients out of the the four that I've played around with stacking, I've experienced really cool results from.
1: Yeah. And look, um, one of the things that I used to be fat, I still am fascinated by, what am I saying, is caffeine and L theanine. And, you know, insider information here one of the ingredients that we were playing around with originally was L theanine. Um, and that, you know, we found CBD slightly more effective.
0: Got it. Tell me, uh, tell me about like switching gears a bit. Uh, mm-hmm. tell me about decoding superhumans. That's your podcast. What, yeah. tell me about just kind of the inspiration. Why, why did you want to <laughs> uh, start a podcast and, and kind of share all of this sort of information? Uh,
1: with you? you know, it's, it's funny. It's like, uh, so I started the podcast almost three years ago now. And uh, I had no intention. I was just sort of like, hey, I'll do this for 15 episodes. And the original idea, very candidly, Toby, was I want to reach out to uh, a lot of very smart people uh, around the world. And I didn't necessarily want to pay a massive per hour consulting fee to talk to them. And so if you have a media platform, you can reach out to anybody around the world. And they're usually willing to talk to you or at least willing to acknowledge your email. And so that was the original genesis of the podcast. It did pretty well. And I happen to enjoy talking to really smart people all the time about topics like we're talking about today. And I get really lit up about that. And so I, you know, started it with the idea of maybe 15 episodes, maybe I'll do this for fun. And now you know, it's been so much fun and I get to meet so many very interesting people that I am just keep doing it. And I'm fortunate enough that I have had some modicum of success in that area in the sense that, you know, it's now, I think this week, it was very close to top 100 careers podcast in the United States, which is the largest podcast market in the world. And it's it's fascinating. So I cover many domains and I like to look at it in terms of uh, my my audience is really sort of the entrepreneur executive crowd in the sense that we, we look at business, but using uh, health as a tool to amplify performance is what we talked about earlier, right? And so if you look at you know, that audience, yes, I do talk about business sometimes. Yes, I do talk about productivity and all those interesting things that can come with that. But I also know that if I can make the individual healthier, they're going to perform better on a whole and so we get into things like sleep stress uh nutrition certainly movement and a whole bunch of others so it's uh i just call it a passion project gone wild right and
0: i have a lot of fun with that one awesome awesome what's uh what's some of the feedback that that you've gotten from people about it it's
1: well you know what? Some of the more interesting feedback is around that idea of like holistic. They use the term holistic health, but or holistic performance in the sense that I'm willing to tackle uh, things like even uh, you know conversations on consciousness and those types of things, which don't typically get discussed in a business setting. Um, and I'm willing to to do that in a certain certain way for instance when somebody comes on my show just as you do Toby uh, you know I I will ask questions I don't necessarily need to hear myself talk and I want like there are deliberate reasons for people coming on the show and so I have my own questions and I just want to make sure that the audience uh, who seems to enjoy the questions that I ask is able to experience that And you know, so there is that element of a different approach to both health and business. Uh, But there's also just you know, we've had a lot of fun, and so uh, I want to make the podcast fun for people, and it seems like you know more than a few enjoy.
0: Absolutely, that's awesome. Well, Boomer, tell me about you know, kind of going forward, you know, both in in terms of just what you're trying to do, along with just the biohacking kind of. community in general like where where do you see things progressing? Do you see uh, things I mean just biohacking getting more and more uh, kind of universally accepted and and these things sort of just becoming kind of standardized tools mm-hmm. that that everyone starts implementing or or do you still see it as as being this sort of niche thing that that only a certain subset of people are going to mm-hmm. be interested in?
1: Yeah, it's a very good question. So, if you look at uh, one of my favorite books for entrepreneurs, it's called Crossing the Chasm. And they have this sort of adoption curve, if you will, and there's chasms within that. And so, you have the innovators, which are at the first end, then you have the early adopters, and then it starts to go really mainstream. Uh, I think the biohacking space right now is very much in that early adopters' uh, tail, if you will. Uh, we're still not quite mainstream although you are starting to see uh things like bulletproof and whole foods for instance or uh, ancient nutrition and whole foods now it's very that's a very astute question of you just sort of like where is the movement going and so is the movement going to cross the chasm or is it going to cross the chasm in a different form because we're starting to see you know you know, you're starting to see various little hotspots develop outside of biohacking, right? Like there's this whole, um, let's see if I can throw this all together in my head. So let's try this. So you have biohacking, which is about ready or trying to cross that chasm. You have the development of big data and AI. And I know people get a real hard on for big data, but the fact is, is that you can get um, some of these technologies and testing companies are now starting to make them more affordable for people. So it's no longer ten thousand dollars to get your genome sequence. You can get something else. You can get your metabolome done for a few hundred bucks. And so the, there's kind of different forces that are coming together. So you have big data and omics. You have the biohacking movement. You and you know I guess you can throw kind of quantified self in between. Uh, the two of those, you have uh, rapid advancements in testing and technology, which kind of fits in that big data uh, theme, and then you have this emerging side, which is very fascinating to me, uh, of you know this expansion into consciousness and the scientific connection and the neuroscience connection to consciousness, which I think Toby, you'd know more about than I would, um, but you're starting to see fringe concepts like uh, psychedelics and, um, and other sort of therapies, if you will, come more into that mainstream. And so actually what I, I do see is this sort of convergence and you're seeing it across industries right now where like Amazon's kind of entering into, they first entered in the groceries now and the supplements and all of these things that also applies to biohacking and general health. Like does the functional medicine, Uh, movement in the United States and the alternative health movement in Europe uh, all kind of combine and allow us to have a greater focus on health, which is actually my hope for the world, is that things like health optimization medicine and practice, things like uh, the Institute of Functional Medicine, uh, this movement that MAPS is doing, and Oregon's certainly doing a good job to contribute to this, around psychedelics, uh, this movement to big data, if it's all converging into this more stronger push forward for a healthier future, I'm a hundred percent supportive of it. And that is, you know, really what I see. I see little hints of that happening. Um, I see a lot more collaboration than would have been in the past. Part of that is due to the fact that, you know, barriers to entry to build businesses has fallen. So as a result, you know, these, these businesses are not as hard to start so as a people are collaborative more collaborative because they don't have these big walls up and so that fostering of collaboration that fostering of big data that fostering of more open minds and the embracement of psycho- psychedelics consciousness and all this stuff that all to me gets me really really excited and jazzed up in sort of this converging future with a
0: healthier planet that is it, it's exciting to I mean, just just hearing your answer makes me excited about you know what, <laughs> what we'll see uh, going forward in the future. So, cool stuff. Well, Boomer, i really enjoyed our conversation today. It's been great having you on the show. Uh, tell me, you know, for people who are interested in our conversation and want to uh, learn more about your work, uh, more about decoding superhuman, uh, where where would uh, you direct them to?
1: So. You can put Decoding Superhuman into any sort of uh, search engine. I, that's really, decodingsuperhuman.com is the place to go. You can also find me on Instagram or on LinkedIn. And uh, you know, please just start a conversation, reach out, uh, tell me what you thought of the show. Uh, just send me a message, I, I wanna hear from you. If you are interested in the uh, blue canatine, and we have another product which is pure methylene blue, uh, you can head over to churchscriptions.com and Toby, I'll make sure that your listeners uh, get a discount code for, for tuning in today.
0: That sounds great. And uh, for those listeners who did enjoy the show, go ahead and like, and subscribe to our YouTube channel, Roscoe's wetsuit neuro. And you can also find audio versions of the podcast available on Spotify, Apple podcasts, Stitcher, and just about anywhere else you can find audio podcasts available. Boomer, again, thank you uh, so much for coming on the show today. Really enjoyed talking with you. My man, it's been a pleasure.
1: Thank you. Absolutely.